Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. Happy fucking creepy account, bitches. Happy creepy account. Oh, oh, Yeah, yeah, it's April. Our favorite. Always. 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 But I, I do have to go ahead and give you a warning that this one's not super fun. This one's not creepy. This one's not creepy. It's a lot more crimey. Yeah. And so we've pushed the imaginary friends to May. Yeah. We were going to try to do it in April, but then we were like, shit, we never told them that we were going to do it in April because we like rearranged the creepy counts. Yeah. And y'all sent in some, but I, I just wanted to make sure that everyone got theirs in because some of the one, the majority of the ones that we got are pretty short. Yeah. So if anyone had like a crazy, crazy IF, IF, make if, it the subject. Send us the F. Let us know. Send us the F. And it'll be in May. Yeah, it'll be in May. I'm really excited for that one, too. Yeah, me too. That one will be fun, Zeus. You do have to ignore my voice. I'm still getting over my sickness. All right, guys. I guess it's time to get crapa. Crimey today. Crimey today. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Alrighty, the first one we have is from Aubrey using pronouns she, her. My neighbor tried to break in hauntings and more fun things is the title. Hi, ladies. I absolutely love your podcast and love the banter in the beginning. I could listen to y'all talk about your lives all day. I'm a 21-year-old college student living in Texas. Fun fact, I actually attended UNT where we have a Center for Human Identification and UNT actually helped identify a John Doe from the Gacy case. Wow. Whoa. So I have three stories for y'all today. Story one. My first story is about how my neighbor tried to break into my house. This happened only a few months ago this past winter. It was around 1.30 a.m. and I woke up to the sound of rhythmic pounding. I was half awake when I sat up in bed and my boyfriend was gone. I finally woke up, sort of, when I heard him in the hallway on the phone with 911 saying, Hi, someone is trying to break into our house as he was holding a bat. Holy shit. Rise and shine, am I right? I immediately put my glasses on because I'm as blind as a fruit bat. My boyfriend heard me stirring and came into the room to let me know what was happening. Mind you, I just woke up. All the lights are off. I'm blind as fuck. And I'm wearing a giant t-shirt with a wolf head on it in my underwear. I mean, classic. That's a pajama versus a pajama. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Once he filled me in, my instincts were to hide, obviously. Well, fun fact about where I live. It's a duplex. So it was originally a house built in the 1960s. It's about 1,000 square feet and it has windows everywhere. Like literally we have 11 windows in this one bedroom duplex. Holy shit. So anyways, I go to the closet, which mind you doesn't have a door, just a curtain. And I'm frantically searching for my seven inch knife I keep in one of my big ass purses. Yep. Southern woman things. Yep. 
Well, I can't find it because I have too many giant purses and I can't remember where I put it. So I just give up and close the curtain and stand in the closet. My boyfriend ends up coming into the room, still on the phone with 911, finds me in the closet and just looks at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Because literally, what was I doing? (laughs) So he pulled me out and brings me to our hallway laundry room. Our layout is weird. And the operator then asks us if we can hide anywhere until the police arrive. And the best solution is the bathroom. Our front door is right next to our room and living room, which both have window access. So we go to the bathroom and sit there as we beg the operator asking where the police were. Then all of a sudden we heard glass breaking. My heart was pounding and the operator tells us to lock the bathroom door. Oh, God. Well, unfortunately for us, all of our doors inside this home do not lock because they are old as fuck. I'm talking skeleton key old. Oh, shit. Our best bet is to hold the door closed. So my boyfriend does that. Meanwhile, I'm looking for a weapon in the bathroom and my mind goes straight to the soap dispenser. Why? I couldn't tell you. So there I am. No pants, just vibes. Holding an amber glass soap dispenser from Target. Shut out threshold. (laughs) Finally, the operator tells us the police are here. We reluctantly go to the door and open it to find six officers and two squad cars pulled up to the curb. And there stands one of my neighbors. We came to find out that this person who was trying to kick our door down was our neighbor who lives in the attached unit to our duplex. For some context, it's essentially an old house sliced in half. Our unit is the entire front with a big porch and the back unit where my neighbor lives is behind in the back with an entrance in the back corner. The officer then explained to me that my neighbor is drunk off his ass and thought our unit was his unit. He had been trying to kick the door down for 30 minutes, which was corroborated by a sweet homeless woman who witnessed some of it. Oh, and the glass breaking was not a window as we thought. It was my neighbor breaking this glass mushroom figure that I had on the porch. No. We ended up not pressing charges and the officer escorted our neighbor to his unit and somehow got him inside. This event has literally traumatized me and I hate being alone here now. Also, my neighbor has yet to come talk to us or apologize in some way, shape or form. So he's kind of a dick for that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that would have been like immediately like, I'm so fucking sorry. He's probably where did you get your mushroom decor? Let me go replace it. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably fucking mortified or he's a dick. Yeah, or he's just a dick. On to the next story. Story two. My second story takes place when I was in middle school between the ages of 12 and 14. We had just moved into our first house as a family. It was two stories and my family consisted of me, my younger brother, my baby sister, my mom, and my stepdad. Anyways, I was about 12 when we moved in and was the typical teen. I would stay up late until like 3 or 4 a.m. Red flag already. I know y'all can feel where I'm going with this. (laughs) Every night I would stay up late and like clockwork, I would start to smell cigarette smoke inside the house. It would only smell at 3 a.m. and it would be gone in about an hour. It was super strange, but I never mentioned anything because I was 12 and didn't know about the whole 3 a.m. thing. (laughs) Around the same time, my younger sister, who was about one to three when we lived in this house, started talking about her grandma. She would say things like, grandma's in the car with me, when my mom would be driving her to daycare and my mom would just think like, okay, Soleil, how cute of her to think that. Well, one day, my whole family was sitting in the living room on the couch when my sister, about two when this happened, stopped and pointed to the front door and said, Grandma's here. No. I shit you not, the second she said that, the front door started creeping open. My family and I just sat there in shock, and we had no way to explain what just happened. But we also slightly wrote it off because there were multiple occasions when my family and I would come home at night and find our front door cracked open. After some years, I realized maybe these two events were related somehow. The grandma in question was my stepdad's grandma who passed shortly before my little sister was born. 
She never met her, but I also think this could be slightly related to the other haunting that occurred in the house. For some context, my stepdad was married before he married my mom. He was married to an older woman I will call Tracy. Tracy passed away due to complications because of opioid addiction. My stepdad met my mom a few years later, and we moved into our first house together, where a lot of the furniture was from his previous home with Tracy. I know y'all are literally begging me to have called Susan. Call Susan. Absolutely. 100%. Call Susan. So anyways, all of the primary bedroom furniture was Tracy and my stepdad's old bedroom furniture. They were slowly replacing the old furniture with new ones. But my mom was a single mother who was very young and did not quite have it all financially to do that. So my mom would experience these weird happenings all the time, but she would only experience strange things when she was alone in the bedroom or the house. She told me years later after we had moved out about how she would be getting ready in the broom or bathroom and she would have the ceiling fan turned off. But when she stepped under the fan directly, it would magically turn on by itself no. and stop when she stepped out from under it. It was bizarre, but my mom really had no experience with paranormal things and honestly had been through much worse. So she did not care at first. Strange small things would happen like that all the time until one night she was laying in bed alone. The lights were off in the room with the door closed and my stepdad in the living room outside the primary bedroom. Suddenly, as my mom lies there, she hears the sound of a drawer opening in what sounds like the nightstand next to her. Mind you, these were some big-ass, ugly marble nightstands, and they were extremely heavy and hard to open. So she turns to the nightstand and looks down to see a drawer wide open. She sort of laughed it off as she thought it was my stepdad messing with her until she called out to him and he came into the room. She started freaking out when she realized he was not messing with her. She looked down in the drawer to find old cards that had belonged to Tracy, filled with holiday and Valentine cards from my stepdad. They had never looked in that drawer before then because my mom hated them and didn't keep anything in them. And that was my mom's breaking point. She forced my stepdad to have a talk with Tracy and asked her to please stop scaring and bothering my mom that she needed to find peace. I would literally be like, can you please talk to Tracy? Can you please talk to your ex-wife? I need Tracy to lay off. I'm yeah. just chilling. I'm vibing. I'm it's slaying. all good. My, I, got, I got my kids here. Like, like We can't be beefing. Tracy, please. Please, Tracy. No more beef. My mom left while he had this talk, and once it was over, she never experienced any more paranormal situations like that again. I later found out that she had smoked cigarettes, and I finally put together that I was most likely smelling her smoke. Yeah. My mom did not tell me these stories until we moved out and I was older. There were more small events that occurred as well, but I cannot remember them as much as the others. Tracy seemed like she had a tough and angry life before her passing, and I hope she was able to continue into the next with peace in her soul. Oh, That's very sweet. That's really sweet. Here is the final story. I promise. <laughs> when I was in high school, my junior and senior years, I worked part-time at a tanning salon in my tiny city. Our shifts were usually only a few hours, and we worked alone. That's literally illegal for minors, I think, so... Huge slay. <laughs> Huge. Slay mignon. Slay mignon right there. Mignon. Mignon. The salon was small and located in a small strip next to a cafe in Cricket Wireless. Yep. We stayed open late and were typically the last to close on the strip. At the time, I drove a very noticeable car with stickers all over. Needless to say, a lot of the other workers in the strip knew it was mine. A lot of the times that I would arrive at work, there would be the Cricket Wireless worker sitting outside the front of their store hitting their giant ass vapes and just staring at me. I know the fucking clouds they were ripping. I know. Were monstrous. And it, it's, you, you'll never see a cloud like that in your entire life ever again. Those no. strip mall, like T-Mobile, Cricket Wireless. Those give off a fat fucking cloud. Oh my God. 
That is hilarious. Yeah, that's great. Now, it's hot as fuck in Texas, and we had no dress code at work. So typically, I wore a giant t-shirt and shorts to work. This always brought unwelcome eyes from the dudes at Cricket Wireless. I, I'm sure. Who, mind you, were in your early 20s to 30s, and I was like 17. I love being a woman. Love. I love being a woman. (laughs) Anyway, there were multiple times when the Cricket Wireless workers would close and come into this tanning salon and just stare at me and try to make conversation. Fuck out of here, Cricket. I would ask if they needed a service provided or what they wanted, and they would just walk around and bother me while I worked alone at night. It happened so many times. And one night, one of the workers came in with a backpack on and said he needed to charge his phone. Bro, you literally work at Cricket Wireless. You literally work at Cricket (laughs) Cricket. You literally you need to come to the dating salon to charge your fucking phone. You could have been charging it all day. I bet there's a million oh, fucking charges She then there. says, man's literally worked at a cell phone store, but like, okay. I let him because I didn't want to get killed. LOL. Then he asked to use the bathroom. So I said, sure. He was in there for so long that I thought he was plotting something. He ended up leaving after trying to get my number and try to sell me drugs. But <laughs> I was just glad to see him go. Yeah. Those workers always made me so uncomfortable. I wouldn't even take the trash out at night. I would just drive it back home. Although once shortly after this occurred, I was working alone during the day and pretty busy with customers when the phone rang for the store. I, of course, answered it. And on the other end of the phone is a man. Not unusual because several men came to the salon all the time who was talking in a very like hush tone. The man then starts before this. Okay, trigger warning. The man then starts asking me very generic and basic questions about tanning. Seemed innocent at first, like he wanted to start bed tanning, but had no experience before. But then he started asking me really obvious and strange questions like, what do you wear to tan? That seemed like a basic question. So I told him you can wear nothing or swimsuit underwear, but it was up to each person. He then asked me what I wear when I tan. I then told him I actually do not bed tan and only spray tan. He started talking more in a hush but shaky voice. And I could have sworn I heard small moans coming from him. Jesus. Oh, my God. He Fucking asked, disgusting. He asked, so do you tan naked? And I immediately heard him groan and moan more. So I just said, listen, if you have any actual questions, you can call back at another time. And I hung up. Wow, you handled that very professionally. Yeah. I was so disgusted and immediately ran to the back room to text my boyfriend. I was shaking and crying so badly from my anxiety. I ended up texting the owners and asked if my boyfriend could come to wait up there and close with me. She agreed, but couldn't care less about what happened. No, of course not. I was so uncomfortable and never felt safe after that. And I ended up quitting before I went off to college. Another instance took place at the same salon just a few weeks later. I luckily was not working, but one of my coworkers slash friend was. It was a late shift and she was alone when she saw a dark SUV pull up to the front. The whole front of the store was windows and they had their headlights on so she could barely see who was in the vehicle. Then all of a sudden, four men stepped out of the car slowly and started just pacing around the door. My coworker then pretends to do something along the window where we had the rack full of clothes. It was one of those small racks where we had a bunch of shit from this boutique we would also sell there. Yeah, The rack was big enough to object to the view from outside. She then sees one of the men try to scale the wall and walk to the door without her seeing. She immediately ran to the door and locked it. The men all then jumped into the car and sped off. Mind you, the owners of this salon, this young couple, did not give a fuck that this happened. I'm so glad I ended up leaving because I had to deal with so many creepy men. Anyways, ladies, thanks so much for reading, and I hope it makes it to the next episode. Thank you for creating such a good space in the true crime community. I think it is so important for victims to be honored in a respectful way and really appreciate how y'all advocate for underserved communities in episodes. 
Also for future recommendations, I would love if you all looked into the Fort Worth missing trio. It's a missing persons case that took place in the 70s in Fort Worth, and it is so insane and still unsolved. I rarely hear anyone talk about it, and I would love to hear it covered. On the list. Also for Morgan. Morgie. There is a town square in my city, Denton, Texas, that stands in the middle. It was built in the late 1800s and used to be a holding center for inmates. There are said to have been several murders, and apparently a ghostly cowboy haunts the whole. Oh. Would love to hear it featured in the episode about creepy buildings or something. I also live by the infamous Goatman's Bridge. Not sure if y'all have covered it. I will attach some links for y'all if you're interested. Okay, we'll stop rambling. Love you, ladies. Sending good energy, support, and love from Texas. Aw. Bestie. Bestie. First off, great writing. Great fucking fucking writing. writing. Oh, my God. I loved your little comments in it. Right. I I don't even know where to start. Okay, what was the first story? Um, Our first story was about the break-in. Okay, so the break-in, your shitty neighbor slash duplex mate. Fuck the guy for not apologizing. And not getting you, like, just replacing it. Like, actually, what I would have done, like, if I was too embarrassed or too mortified, I would have went out, would have bought a $50 Chick-fil-A gift card, I would have taped it to your door and said, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That, Move on. That or I would have like gotten at least like the mushroom. Right. I would have replaced your mushroom. Right. And I'd be like, I'm so fucking embarrassed. I can't show my face, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Not not say anything and try to play it cool, bro. You didn't play it cool. You didn't play it cool. You look dumb. Tr- next was Tracy slash grandma. Grandma busting through the front fucking door. No, grandma. Chill. Hi, grandma. Grandma's here. Grandma's here. Creak. <laughs> Ma'am. I'm like, grandma. Time to go. Turn it around. Back it up. And you know your mom's probably sitting there like, is it grandma or is it fucking Tracy? Is it Tracy <laughs> or is it grandma? Because if it's Tracy, I'm about to screw up. <laughs> You're supposed to be gone, babe. Yeah, I thought he talked to you. But, but I think that was also really sweet that you wished her peace. I, yeah. I, I think everyone I think does, I would do yeah. the same thing, too. Yeah. And then your third story about the tanning salon, bitch. I, I'm grossed out. You know what? I fucking... You're right. Like, I sometimes, actually, most of the time, hate being a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not... Not fair. Did I say woman? No, you said women that time. Wow. Throw it out. That was crazy. That was impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's just disgusting. I just don't know gross. why. I don't know why men think that like everything. They're, they're just entitled. They're entitled to They're anything. entitled to a female's body. And, and like if you are attracted, like it's not my job to not turn you on. Right. Like and when do we call men? Hey, what do you wear when you're at the gun range? Hey. What are you wearing right now while you're working out? Cricket wireless. I don't give a fuck. Hey, what kind of pants do you have on a cricket wireless? Are they tight? Hey, what are you wearing while you are you your pack- video games? Are you packing down there? If I called my husband and I was like, hey, what are you doing? Playing video games. Cool. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Like, uh, <laughs> like my baby Yoda shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, your sweat shorts that I stole from Target. In the cryptid bean hoodie? <laughs> yeah. Listen to me. This morning, I pull in for my doctor's appointment. He had to take Mila. And I his office window is like right in front of the driveway. And I see him standing up there on the call. And you know what I fucking see? My New York hat. My cryptic bean. Cryptic bean cryptic. hat. Because I spelled it wrong on the fucking merch. And my sweatshorts. You're like, wait a fucking second. I'm like, you got my fucking shoes on. <laughs> what, what am I about to buy? a pair of my heels. <laughs> and he's been wearing it all day. He won't take it off. I know, I saw I'm like, we're, we're not supposed to wash this. Like, yeah. I, this is one that you don't wash. We're not allowed to it's wash too any merch. Yeah, none of that merch. Okay, next story. Next story. Thank you so much for sending that in. Thank you, Aubrey. So the next one we have is from Anonymous using she, her pronouns. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a warning because she told me to for essay and abduction. 
Hey, girlies. I've been a fan since the beginning. I really have loved your podcast and your merch mug. Oh, not the merch mug. (laughs) I have really contemplated sharing this story since I began y'all's podcast. But through therapy and being a motherfucking city girl, I feel good about sharing this story. It was my sophomore year, and I had recently just gotten out of a toxic motherfucking relationship with a man that was not shit, period. Period. I was super broken down about it at the time and was told by my best friend to get out there by downloading Bumble for a date so I could get all dolled up and get my mind off of things. Sidebar, do what you got to do but I do not recommend this. (laughs) (laughs) I went to school at ECU and lived in Greenville. I matched with this guy who said he was six foot tall and 23, just my type. I ended up matching with him and agreeing to a date at breakfast. We hadn't talked much, red flag, but decided to meet up the following morning. I get to this breakfast place and sit down and in comes a skyscraper of a man who was closer to fucking seven foot. Okay, I totally expected a five foot guy. Me too. Like he was just up in his height. Me too. That's what I was saying. When you were saying like six foot, I was like, so definitely five. Yeah, definitely five. Not seven. Not fucking seven foot. She said that bitch. I'm I'm five, six. Mind you, he sat down and we chatted. He was super outgoing and sounded really motivated in his future. We ended up chatting away for about two hours. It was starting to get busy. So we chatted as we headed to the car. For context, it was the middle of North Carolina summer, which is humid and fucking gross. Can't confirm because we live next door. He offered for me to sit in his car. I had even said, yeah, but we aren't going anywhere. And he said, of course not. It's just hot as hell out here. Don't do what I did, girly pops. I sat in the car with him. We chatted away for another half hour. And I said, quote, when I was younger, I used to love driving around really nice neighborhoods, end quote. And out of nowhere, he locks the doors and speeds out of the parking lot. Oh, red fucking flag. As he pulled out of the parking lot, clocking 50 miles per hour, he sternly said, buckle up. Oh my God. When I tell you I had all of the thoughts and no thoughts, I complied. This man was speeding so fast and started taking off in a direction that I was super unfamiliar with. I was praying that he would get pulled over. I looked down at my phone and it was at 5%. I nearly shit. I was a server at the time and have always really relied heavily on my social skills. I followed my instincts, which clearly were not working before, lol, and played the role that quite possibly saved my life. I played along. I laughed at some of his misogynistic jokes and smiled as I contemplated a getaway. He then started going on this spiel about how he was going to be the 32nd president of the United States because his favorite was the 23rd. He then said, I'm going to marry you and we will have 10 kids. I need a woman to provide every service I require. All these other hoes out here have HIV. The fuck? What the fuck? These comments couldn't even compute in my brain because I was sitting there nodding my head and pretending to give a playful pushback. I was praying that I would get dropped back in my car, but we kept getting further and further away. We finally turned into a neighborhood that is filled with those newer buildings that look similar to the cat in the hat houses. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I, I see it now. It was the only built house. I immediately thought, trigger warning. I'm going to get raped, I'm going to get killed, and I'm going to be sold into sex trafficking. Nonetheless, I kept my composure. 
We pulled into a garage and he sternly said, get out of the car. My ass was out of that car so fast with a big smile on my face. He makes me go inside ahead of him and I was just standing in the kitchen like a Lego piece. The house looks like a family lived there. So I asked him about it. He says, oh, my family's out of town. I thought, whoops, motherfucker, I'm dead. Oh my God. He then forces me into his laundry room and he is folding laundry, psychopath. Literally a psychopath. I noticed his load only had underwear and socks. I continued to stand there like a motherfucking mummy. And he said in the same stern, almost shouting tone, go get my comforter off my bed. I did as I was told and I went and I grabbed it. While I was in there, I touched about every surface that I could see so my prints would be found if someone found my body in Goo Lagoon. My phone is dead. I noticed that he had one shirt hanging up and no pillow. He had empty drawers. I was not convinced that this man was sane. I grabbed his comforter and I brought it to him. I looked for blood stains in the sheets to see if there was any evidence of someone being hurt before me. Luckily, I saw nothing. He then forced me into his attic where he grabbed my ass on the way up and pushed me up the last step. All I saw was a desk filled with hundreds of books, all about presidents. He went over and told me every book he had read except for two. I pretended to be interested and smiled and laughed. I knew I needed to get out of that attic and back to where the doors were available. I asked him if we could go back downstairs. He exhaled like it was a huge inconvenience and yelled, fine. We got down there and he yelled, sit on the couch. I waddled over there and sat down. He turned on my 600 pound life. I can never watch it to this day. He sits his long slender his long, slender man looking psychopath ass bitch, ass streetlight looking ass bitch ass beside me and grabs my legs to pull them over his legs. Dude's a fucking loser. And, and then psychopath. he forces his tongue down my throat. It's the third time this point. As we said, I think, what is the best way to get out of here? Out of my ass, I said, you know what? I feel so weird leaving my car at that restaurant with all my tip money in it. Could you drive me back to my car and I'll follow you back here? Bitch, I'm a motherfucking genius. Yeah, he you sighed are. and yelled, fine. My heart started beating just as fast as it did when he took me in the car initially. He puts me in his car and slams the door behind me and he drives me back to my car. He forced a last kiss and said, just follow me. And I said, sure. I got in my car and started shaking like crazy. I turned on the car and plugged in my phone and pulled out behind him. He turns right and I sped out left, nearly causing an accident. I took a crazy route home just in case he could follow me and made it there. I parked my car and ran inside. I sat like a statue in my bed for hours. It didn't even click at this point, the reality of what had just happened. But when it did, I crumbled. I shook for a week. I was so terrified and so embarrassed that I didn't call the police. I had no strength to at the time. All I knew was that I survived. Thank God. However, it doesn't stop there. A couple of months later, I received an anonymous letter in the mail written in all red marker. And I've attached it for you. It Holy reads, shit. I met you briefly and I was so taken by your personality and beauty. I also saw your inner goodness and wisdom. Take your life seriously. The hurt and pain of those who have been betrayed, you will pass with time. Learn from your past and move forward. You have a gift. You will be successful. You have completed the first step of taking charge of your life 
health, your brain, get the most from your education. You will be happy and own and you are loved. Letting go of this person, of the person, letting God, he, the person. I mean, it's cryptic as fuck. What the fuck, And the, the like writing and the card says, enjoy the ride. It's like shaky, manic, red marker. Girl. (sighs) Thank you for listening. I know this was winded. Even though I couldn't follow through with the police report, I think it's important that I share this story so that others can recognize the devil that I saw that day. Love your podcast and love y'all. Thank you. Friend. Anonymous, bestie, girl. (sighs) my God. I'm so fucking sorry. I'm so fucking sorry that this happened to you. The way you did that. Is that guy's issue? No, he's fucking crazy. And you know, you, you know, you did save your life. You did everything you, right. right. You did everything right. You played it so smart. I mean, you didn't like show just how terrified you were. It's okay that you didn't make the police report. You weren't ready for it and you still might not be. But if you ever are, mm-hmm. you still can. Yeah. I don't think anybody would fault you for taking the time that you needed. And I, I still wouldn't fault you if you didn't from here on out and just, you know, shared your story like this. Thank you so much for allowing us to share this story. Yeah, I'm so thankful that you are okay physically. I'm sure mentally this took a massive toll on you. It's traumatic. Yeah, that is. That's this guy's fucking crazy. What the fuck? Yeah, like I want his name. No, really. I mean, what the wreck his fucking day? That's okay. One shirt, no clothes in there, and he's got a desk in the attic. He's there's something. He says his family lives there. Like something's fucking wrong. Like this dude's crazy. Yeah, and who? goes up to the attic to hang out like and read like and read 100 presidents all the time about presidents yeah you have a control issue you're misogynist and for him to like be able to be so normal to your face for two hours in that restaurant yeah oh my god i'm so sorry friend i'm so fucking sorry i'm so thankful you're okay thank you for sharing that with us thank you the next one is from Anon using she, her pronouns. Title is long ass story not exactly creepy or crimey but i don't know could be important to share Hi, lovely ladies. First of all, I adore you both so much. Hashtag lip sync champs. I I'll love cry you. right now. Stop. Second, I would like to stay anonymous for this. I'm not sure if this holds a place on the show, but it feels nice to just let off some steam. It does. Trigger warning for emotional abuse and threats of assault. To any woman listening to this, let this be a push to take care of yourself first and foremost. That is something I struggle with the most. No more excuses and no more ignoring the red flags. With that being said, I began a relationship with a man almost a year and a half ago, and all the red flags were waving right in my face, but I ignored them time and time again. This relationship blossomed from a friendship. Trigger warning. The beginning of the friendship dealt with me supporting this person through his suicidal tendencies and down spiral of mental health. That kind of bond is so very strong and hard to let go of. It's been so difficult for me to move on with that being out past. However, he does have a history of abuse that I was warned about from ex-girlfriends. He's been dealing with a nasty custody battle, and I do understand the stress of that. It's been my main source of my sympathy throughout this relationship. I will just lay out the facts for this. He is battling the mother of his baby mama for custody of his one-and-a-half-year-old child. The mother passed from a drug overdose, and he has had the most difficult time fighting for his child since her passing. They were never married, and there was never any custodial rights granted to him before her passing. Everything was just between the two of them agreeing on times with the baby, child support, and all that jazz. Their breakup was messy, messy. And I do want to acknowledge how difficult it is for a father to gain rights to his child in today's society and how difficult and challenging that is for men in any situation. Yeah. 
He is a good father and he cares about his relationship with his child more than anything else. I will praise him for that. Not all, including myself, can say their father actually tried their damnedest to be in the picture, but this man has. He cared about that little baby more than anything else on earth. This position he has been in, he has offered as the explanation of every argument and fight we have had together. He's just stressed and angry at the world. He gets angry so easily, and he will comment on my weight, personality, tells me I'm a bad person, and just belittle me in any way he knows will affect me. I always just forgive the hateful words and try to understand the stress he is going through with losing his child's mother and fighting for his rights with the baby, always overlooking the verbal abuse. It has taken an extreme toll on me mentally, and I even started to believe his words. I've been depressed, down on myself, and thinking to myself, if these things about me are all true, how will anyone else like me for me? I have him at least, and that's better than nothing. I want to explicitly mention he has never hit me or harmed me physically. All forms of abuse have been verbal and through destruction of my belongings, my phone, TV, the two things he completely busted, and my car. Tonight was a different night. We were at the space bar, an incredible place, by the way, and unfortunately tonight was my first night ever being there. I'm not even sure what provoked it. It came out of nowhere. But he started in on me in my past, calling me names, whore, bitch, etc., commenting on my looks and weight, calling me fat, and anything bad about me he could think of, very loudly. When liquor is involved, it is 100 times worse. I argued back and told him we were in public and that he needed to relax, all while trying to say it with a smile so the bartender didn't catch on to his words in anger. That is the most difficult part, trying to pretend everything is fine and keeping a calm demeanor. Then the words, I could hit you right now, came out of his mouth. He's never hit me. He has dented my car and broke my TV in the past, but never physically hurt me. But hearing him say those words and remembering the past, I believed him. I looked at him and said, I'm going to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom and just cried and then walked myself out of the bar when I thought he wasn't paying enough attention. I walked around outside waiting for a friend to answer the phone to come pick me up. He was at this point calling me over and over again. And of course, I remembered my entire purse was in his car. I answered the phone and told him I just needed my purse and that someone was coming to get me. He immediately went angry again and was asking, what did you tell them? And started yelling at me to come get my purse from the truck. I walked over to the parking lot to get it and he started to throw things at me through the open passenger door and I just ran off. I walked back towards the entrance of the space bar we were at and the waitress was outside saying he didn't pay the tab. I apologized profusely and told her I would walk back in with her to pay and explain the entire situation through my tears. Every single employee at this establishment deserves a hundred gold medals. Once they listened to me and understood how scared I was, they stuck me in the back kitchen to hide and wait for my friend. He did end up walking back in to pay and I just hid safely away from his sight. He had been calling me nonstop at this point. He left and my friend finally arrived to pick me up and they walked me out to her car and made sure I made it safely. The amount of understanding and support I received from the staff was just incredible. I finally made it home, doors locked and tucked away in bed, emotional but somewhat relieved that I can put an end to this relationship and move on to something better. I listen to Taylor and Morgan talk about their husband, fiance, and I see strong relationships with my friends from home and I fantasize about having a relationship as strong as theirs. I thought that trying my best to be patient with him as he is going through this tough time would be rewarding and eventually I would see that supporting and loving side from him but tonight was the eye-opener to me that may never happen. Don't get me wrong. 
there are nights where I just love him so much and things are wonderful. But the more I think about everything tonight, those good times don't really outweigh the bad nights where all I get is verbally abusive comments when he is angry and hate and damaging of my things. It's scary. I can't speak on the trauma of physical abuse, but the verbal is scary enough. I don't want to have that fear anymore. My whole point of sending this in is to let anyone know in a similar situation, it may not get better. No one can tell you to leave a bad situation until you are ready to. All of my friends hate this guy and they are scared for me, which breaks my heart, knowing I've always gone back to him and knowing they stay worried about me. But to that girl, I understand. It's the most difficult thing to do. You don't want to leave because you have seen the good sides too. You hold on to those good qualities, hoping the bad ones just disappear. I get it. Part of me is sending this in to also just hold myself accountable and to not go back and give in to his apology. I want better and I deserve better. I hope I can stick to that. That is all. I hope this made sense. I'm typing this at 3.30 in the morning, emotional and from my phone. The format's probably whack. Love you both and the podcast so much. My heart, my heart, my heart, my heart, my heart, my heart, my heart. You know, if any point at any situation anybody that is in our vicinity that if a situation were to arise like this that a dm would put either of us in a car to get you you have our number if you don't text it text us i mean email us dm us we'll send it to you anything i'm so fucking sorry i i'm really sorry that we're just now reading this yeah Um, this is the first i've read this you do deserve yeah better you do and you are an amazing human i'm so thankful for those employees that took care of you we love space bar we always have we love space bar um, it's a great place i'm so thankful that they took care of you i'm thankful that you took care of yourself and you got you know you went to a safe space when you knew you needed to and give yourself more credit the situation you're in is really really hard and we totally get it like you're right you see the good too and that's why a lot of people stay in relationships that are verbally or physically or emotionally abusive because and then you're sympathetic because of his situation and exactly and the bond that you guys had as friends before and the things that you went through together that is a really intense bond that People don't talk about often enough. Right. First off, I wanted to thank you for sending this in and allowing yeah. for someone else to hear the words. And it was beautifully. I can't believe put that into you words. Wrote- and I, a lot of girls don't know how to put a situation like this in words or how to express their feelings to their friends to help them understand or to their parents to help them understand. And you just gave them the words to say and and validated them wholeheartedly. Yeah. We love you. Please, if you don't have our number still on your phone, send us a DM just so you can have it, just in case something ever were to happen and someone couldn't get to you fast enough. We'll be there. We'll be. We'll fucking be there. We'll fucking be there. We love you. Thank you for sending this Thank in. you for sharing. I'm, I'm not even kidding. If you ever feel unsafe in, in your own house, like yeah. you can crash on our couch. Yo, you can sleep on in the you studio. You can sleep right fucking here. Right here on the on the carpet. <laughs> on Just the let me know carpet. so I can vacuum it first. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this, that you're going through this. But thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah. Thank you so much for emailing us. Thank you for being one of the few that also have our supported sisters, us. Yeah. That you know, like I'm glad that we can create a space still like what three years now post-grad that yeah. makes you comfortable enough to share something like this with us, with the world. Be so vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that's like one of my favorite things about the creepy account segments is the opportunities that you can have as a listener 
to have a platform Mm -hmm. and like for us to share our platform with you guys for your words. So we love you so much, Anonymous. You know who you are. We know who you are. Love you. And this goes for anybody. Say you're not in Knoxville, whatever. If you just need to get the words out, we have an inbox for that. Creeps and Crimes podcast. Nope. Creeps and Creeps and Crimes.ca or is it Creeps and Crimes Podcast.ca? Creeps and Crimes Podcast.ca. At gmail.com is our creepy account email. And it's open for spaces like this. And you can say, I don't want this to, not a creepy account. It's Creeps and Crimes.ca at gmail.com. Okay. Update Creeps and Crimes.ca so <laughs> at gmail.com. It's an open place for you guys if you need to just get the words out and feel heard. God. This creepy account is very heavy. Very heavy. Very heavy. I'm sorry for that. But I figured I'd just put them all in one. Yeah. They needed to be sad. Yeah. And, they needed to be read. And it was Women's History Month. No better time. I had to. I know yeah. it's technically April now, but uh, these all came in in March and late February. So this last one is from Mandy using she, her pronouns. This is titled Traumatic Account, Trigger Warning for Essay and Abduction. For the sake of this situation being an open investigation, I have decided to change my name and everyone's involved, including places, etc. We will call me Mandy, 24 female, using she, her pronouns. And I am actually living in and from one of your hometowns. I have gone back and forth on whether to send this in because of a number of reasons, but ultimately I've decided to because maybe, just maybe, this will give me a bit of healing, taking it to a platform that I love so much. Because I know there are more girls like me that deserve to know that they are not alone and that resources are out there that you need in these situations. I used to work at a T-Mobile store before I had my daughter. Across the street was a cell phone repair business with multiple locations. The man that owned it came in and chatted with us sometimes. We developed a business friendship, I would say. I sent him customers and he did the same for me. For years, he has tried to get me to come work for him, but I usually just laughed it off because I didn't love driving to work 30 minutes every day. Once I had my daughter, I left T-Mobile, and it had been a few years since. He has kept up with me on my personal Instagram through his business Instagram over the years. He had replied to stories, continued to bring up me working for him, and I considered it on a few occasions, and I would send him friendly messages back. Recently, I've been looking into getting a better job because since I had my daughter, I have mostly been working fast food or a few jobs at a time. I finally decided to take him seriously. One day he messaged me to ask me to lunch, assuming that it would be for things that we have been talking about for literally years at this point. I said yes. We went to a sushi restaurant in the same city his main location was at. Keep in mind, I'm about 40 minutes away from home and my phone had no service because I'm a mom and I had to prioritize things at the moment. We start to talk about how I wanted to take over all socials for his businesses. I had a whole plan and I gave it to him. TikTok ideas, I proved that I knew what I was talking about and had dug into his current social medias. He told me he also wanted me to do some outreach for him and get some of his less profitable locations up and booming. He seemed to love all of my ideas. He told me that I was extremely smart and that he would be more than happy to be working with me. And at one point he made the comment, quote, It's a shame you're so smart because you're also so beautiful, but I'm going to make my business money. So I'm chasing after the money, end quote. This comment will make you sick later, warning. He talked about how he knew other business owners in the area and just kind of talked me up like he was really going to be helping me get ahead into other businesses, mostly insinuating. This next part is maybe going to make a few people confused. But I'd like to remind everyone that I had known him for years and our relationship had been really laid back on a business level. 
He was always slightly flirty, but I always thought it was just more of a personality trait because of how I saw him interact and talk with other women. Never inappropriate that I remember, but just flirtatious. I need to also mention that he brought up that he had just sent his parents and his sister on a trip out of the country and paid for it in full. He asked me if I'd like to hang out a little bit longer after lunch, talking about how he knew this owner and that owner, da 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 da. I'm going to skip a little bit of time for the sake of I don't fully remember and for the case. Because in case someone makes the connection, I don't want to give any assumptions while the police do everything that they can to piece together the day leading up. But eventually, later that afternoon, he asked me if I wanted to go to a Mexican restaurant and claimed that he was really cool with them and again knew the owner. I said yes because I was trying to impress my new boss and hopefully expand on what I thought was the start of a job that I had always wanted. So he had asked if I wanted a ride with him at this point, and I did. Another regret looking back. When we pulled in, instead of parking, he pulled to the door and said, you go in and sit at the bar area, get a drink and food if you'd like. I'm going to get my son and bring him to where he needs to be. I'll be back in 30 minutes tops. I know the people and they will take great care of you. Now, I know this should have been a red flag, but at the time in my head, I wouldn't want to bring some girl that I just hired to pick up my child. And even though he had told me about his divorce, I understood as a single parent. At least that's the process my mind went through. I went in, got a table and ordered one margarita and a bowl of cheese dip. I want to add, I actually have never been much of a drinker, but when I did, it was a margarita. Just as he said, it took about 30 minutes for him to get back. When he got back, being bilingual, he started talking to the staff in Spanish and ordering shots. When the shots came for us, I took the first one, even though I was not asked if I wanted it. This is where things get a little bit fuzzy. So we aren't really sure if I drink more. But as far as the detective has told me from the footage that he watched, I only drank those two drinks, so the margarita and the shot. The next thing I remember was seeing a stack of shots that had already been taken on his side of the table. Then another glimpse I have is of his hand touching my back on the way out of the door. The only time I remember him touching me that day. Now we have the weird, not so memory-ish memories. The first one is me standing in the kitchen looking at a counter and a bottle of liquor in a bag unopened. The next is I was sitting on the toilet in the bathroom because there was a ceramic boot-shaped vase on the counter. The next morning, I woke up in a bed that was not my own. I was naked with a towel wrapped around my shoulders, one blanket wrapped around the top part of my body, excluding my face, and one blanket wrapped around the second half of my body, mainly my legs. My arms were crossed, and I was face down on my stomach. When I woke up, I had to roll around a bit to get myself out of the blankets. When I realized that I was naked, I started to confusingly look around for my clothes, assuming that maybe I threw up on them. It was the only thing that could make sense. But once I stood up, trigger warning guys, seriously. But once I stood up, I realized I was in pain in my vaginal area, my legs, my arms, and basically my whole body. I was shaking uncontrollably, and I have no idea how to explain the oddly haziness that I felt. I found the bathroom and I threw up. Then I walked into the hallway and noticed in the hallway leading to the bathroom, there were clean towels all over the floor, but it was like they were placed there perfectly, almost as if they were preparing to do something. And I started to realize I needed to get out of there as fast as I could once I realized that I was alone. I wandered around the home a bit, trying to find a phone charger and making sure no one else was there. In doing so, and being so into true crime, I started opening drawers and analyzing things in the home. I used a disposable mouthwash cup, but put it back on the stack. I took a cup from the cupboard and I used it too. I made sure that I would be able to be traced. When I found my keys, I knew my car had to be there. And you better bet, I was thanking God it was. 
I had zero clue where I really was. So with my phone being dead, I had to use the navigation on my car to get me home. I started to realize at this point that the home I had woken up in was his parents' home based off of the pictures that I saw in the home and the ones that he had shown me at lunch. I also realized the bed that I woke up in was his little sister's. I got home and my mom immediately started telling me that she was so disappointed because I had always told her that if I wasn't coming home, especially because I have a child that I now needed her to babysit for me, I just started sobbing and just trying to explain everything. She told me that her and my dad and my family and friends had been up all night praying, worried sick. She woke up my dad and I did my best to explain what I did know. My dad sat in front of me as I cried and told me that no matter what I did, he would support me but that if I wanted to go to the hospital, we needed to go right then. So I decided to go. We called my aunt that works in labor and delivery at the hospital to ask what we should do. She sent us to a rape crisis center. Once I got there, they performed a rape kit, asked me what had happened, gave me food, gave me a plan B, and gave me six high-dose antibiotics to prevent STIs. They contacted the police and worked with them to figure out jurisdiction issues. They truly helped me the whole day. I threw up a few times because I was so nauseous from all of the medicine and everything going on. With the advocates there and my aunt and my father, I got through it. The hardest day of my life yet. Apparently, from what I now know, he left me in the home twice and came back. I have almost 12 hours completely blank and I have no idea what really went on. But what I do know is that I had bruises all over my body, mainly on my legs. Some of them are to the bone. Also, I had scrapes on my elbow and knees. Looking back now, I genuinely believe that he was either going to sex traffic me or possibly even kill me. They've gotten a search warrant for the home and executed it. They have also gotten search warrants for his cell phone. We are waiting for a warrant to come back for his Snapchat because they found where he had sent a photo that we do not know of what while I was unconscious. And whoever he sent it to replied with the fire emojis. They also found photos of another girl on his phone that were not consensual. Today, I had to see him in court for my order of protection for the first time since this all happened. It was hard, and after court, he walked past me multiple times in the courthouse, I feel like just to taunt me. But it was continued because he used his Fifth Amendment rights to keep his mouth shut, which is smart on his part, because anything he says and the order of protection in this case can be used against him in the criminal court case. But it also means that my temporary order of protection is elongated. Even though this seems annoying in a way, it is a good thing because if it was granted permanent today, it would only be for a year. It's possible that I can get more because I have temporary for who knows how long. This thing is far from over, but I'm starting to heal just a little bit through my faith in Jesus, my family, and friends. What happened to me made me feel disgusting. It made me feel unclean and nasty. But I'm telling this story to let any essay survivor know that it is not your fault. If you can't say no, the answer is no. You are beautiful, and what that person did to you is not and never will be a reflection of who you are. And the best thing that we can do as survivors is to encourage other survivors to seek the help we need. I apologize for how long this is, and I'm sure there are many typos, but unfortunately, it is 4 a.m. I just needed to get this off my chest. And to the two girls that I feel are my safe space through my phone. Thank you for being an advocate for others and shedding light on victims, even though I hate that word. I love you both so much, and I hope one day I can meet you and tell you how far I've come. Fuck, dude. I'm sorry. This is one of the most emotional, creepy accounts that we've ever had, and it's probably the hardest one that anybody's ever had to listen to. But I'm 
so in awe of these amazing survivors that strong ass fucking women that have sat here and told us their stories walked us through exactly how they managed to survive these instances and what they learned I literally host a true crime podcast and I don't know in that situation if I would have thought to put my fingerprints or everything. Two of you did it. Mouthwash cup. Two of you did it. And I'm sure there's fucking more hidden in our goddamn email that we can't fucking filter through. I literally have a fucking panic So for those that have written in something like this, we are sorry that we have not shared your story it's not because we are ignoring you it's because we We, genuinely have not seen it which is why we had to get this new creepy account email which we have kept in great condition Condition. great condition i'm just so fucking proud of our listeners i'm so fucking proud of these women i appreciate you guys so much for sending these in i'm so in awe of the strength that you have and i love you all so dearly and like i just thank you guys so much for considering us to be a safe space you know, trusting us with this. I mean, that is so huge. And I feel so undeserving. I feel I wish I could hug. I know. I want I want them all here. One, two, three, four. I just feel so undeserving of this amazing platform that you guys have given us and the opportunity to share your stories and and make sure that other people know that have been ever been in situations like yours that they're not alone. I think that just goes to show like how powerful it can be when you use your platform for good yeah. and you have a good connection with the people that your gave it to you. Yeah. Something so so much more intimate and I'm just so fucking proud. I'm so proud of you guys and and I also want to let you guys know that if there's anything that we can do whether that is create a private group on yeah, Facebook for you guys to have conversation in and I don't know how we would regulate that or if, you know, one of you guys wanted to head that up. Yeah. I would be more than willing to make you an admin for that. So yeah, um, I think that's a great idea, actually. Like a, a, just a, a place for group. you guys to talk and connect with each other. Just know we're always here. Always here. And we love you. We love you. And th- anything that we can do to aid your fight to get your justice, like we we will be there. We'll be there. And we will help. We will aid. We will do what we can do. And from the the sidelines, cheering you on. So I appreciate you all. Now, only one of you guys needs to call Susan. But we forgot to mention that, of course, just like every creepy account is sponsored by you know what? Anyone can call Susan because she will. She is our Doxville mother. Yeah, that is what she is to us. She is such a light in our lives. And I think that if any of you called her number and was like, I just need to talk. She would talk to you I think for she would five talk hours. To you. I'm not even joking. Yeah. The moral of today is thank you so much for sending in these. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of all of you guys. I'm so sorry, but we love you. Yeah. We, and we're always here. Immensely. And I just appreciate you guys allowing us to be uh, a space where you share your stories. This one's for the girls. This one's for the girls. I don't want to seem like a non-emotional freak you don't seem like an unemotional freak. i'm just like you can feel the emotion on you morgan in your voice too yeah but like i can just sit here like some people don't fucking cry i don't that's the thing i don't fucking cry i cry about everything i cry about anything but i've been boohooing today so love you guys i love you guys so much thank you so much